Chapter Fifteen of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen, On the Old Road. A large round moon, coloured like the pale wings of the butterflies, floated in the soft rose of the eastern sky, as Milly Orne walked swiftly along the road. She was thinking happily of the two old people she had left behind, and of the dun cow with her pretty, sleek head and large, mild eyes. Grandfather would be milking her now. She wished she might have waited to see the first foaming pail carried into the kitchen. But there was the dinner to finish and serve. Being quick-witted, and moreover of an acquisitive mind, Milly had studiously applied herself to the study of Miss Minerva Eggleston's old-fashioned cookbook, and thereby learned many strange combinations and permutations of the familiar potatoes and meat served at Innisfield tables. Cooking, she had learned, was a science, not to be disdained or thought lightly of, and since the strangers she served appeared increasingly appreciative of the fruits of her newly acquired knowledge, Milly continued to study and experiment with ever-growing pleasure in her work. She was thinking doubtfully of a certain delicate pudding compounded for the first time, and at present awaiting its destined hour in the cool seclusion of the spring-room. Had she beaten the eggs sufficiently, she wondered, and was the meringue which topped the confection over brown? She stepped daintily about the edges of a puddle, her blue eyes bent upon the ground, when, as once before, she heard the swift tread of hoofs behind her, and looked back to meet Walter Hill's dark gaze. Mindful of her freshly starched skirts and the threatening mud-puddle, Milly hastily took refuge amid the leafy grove of the roadside till the rider should pass. But the young man pulled his horse to a standstill and slipped from his saddle. Milly watched him with surprise as he walked towards her, the bay horse at his heels. "'You've been home?' he asked, his face lighted with a boyish smile. "'Do you know I thought I might overtake you?' Milly said nothing being vaguely troubled by his presence and the look in his eyes. "'I happened to see you start out from Craddock's,' he went on easily. "'How did my Lady Jersey behave? And what did they say to her?' "'You mean Grandfather and Grandmother?' inferred Milly, walking very fast, her eyes on the distant glimmer of white which represented the old Eggleston house. "'They were glad, of course.' He put out his hand as if to guide her past a particularly deep puddle but she drew back, a quick flush staining her cheek. "'You didn't seem to be looking,' he apologised. "'Another instant and you'd have been in over your shoe-tops, you know. Well, it is rather wet along here in spots.' "'Yes,' she admitted coldly, "'but I've walked in muddy roads all my life.' He studied her averted face with a slight clouding of his dark good looks. "'What have I done that you won't even look at me, Milly?' he asked after a lengthening pause. "'This morning you were as jolly as could be, only you wouldn't let me beat the eggs.' His tone was slightly aggrieved. "'If you please, Mr. Hill, I'd rather you wouldn't wait for me,' she said determinedly. "'I'm late, I know, but—' "'You're not late,' he contradicted her. "'And besides, it's beautiful. Look at that moon, will you? It, it's somehow like you, Milly all soft rose and pale gold and the girl hurried on faster than before but his long stride kept him abreast of her 
Oh, don't be angry, he begged. That bit of foolishness slipped out before I thought. But see here, I want to tell you something. She shook her head. I haven't time to listen, she objected. There's no real reason why we shouldn't be friends. You're mistaken, she said proudly. Besides, I don't wish to be friends with you. It's absurd even to speak of it. But why, he urged, is it because of, because of Sylvia? Can't a man have friends, even if... It's because of, of everything. You oughtn't to be talking to me at all. Mrs. Hill would be displeased. His face had grown suddenly dark. Granted that we can't be friends, he said doggedly. I'm going to tell you one thing. I was on the point of bolting when you came. I couldn't have stood it another day. Oh, you don't know. Don't judge me, not knowing. She was looking at him, her blue eyes wide with unconcealed scorn. You're telling me you would have left your wife and your mother alone in that lonely house? Oh, well, I suppose I should have come back. Don't look at me that way, Milly. I'm not as bad as you think. Have you no pity? she asked, her voice breaking a little. No love? Yes, he said sullenly. That's why I'm here. But I didn't know what it was going to be like. He shook his head, his brows knit over gloomy eyes. No, I swear I didn't grasp the situation. How could I? Well, you saved the day, Milly, whether you meant to or not. I didn't bolt, and for your sake, I won't. I'll stick it out, even if Sylvia... But I mustn't speak to you of her. You wouldn't understand. You couldn't. She turned and faced him with sudden courage. Why don't you stay with her more? she demanded. Surely you ought to be able to comfort her. Help her as no one else can. It's entirely natural you should think so, he admitted, a tinge of bitterness in his tone. But Sylvia doesn't happen to want me. My presence irritates her. Did you ever hear of a marriage of convenience? Which is no marriage at all. His short laugh held no mirth. I can't expect you to be sorry for me, he went on, in face of her troubled silence. I don't ask it, but some time I may be able to explain, until that hour comes. Promise me you will at least give me the benefit of the doubt. Don't pass sentence in the dark. Her candid eyes searched his face swiftly. If she read truth there, and a desperate struggle with some unknown emotion, the girl made no sign. She hesitated for a moment, her face with its delicate pure outlines pale in the softly lighted dusk. I certainly have no right to judge you or anyone harshly, she said at last. If I seem to have done so, forgive me. He did not attempt to follow her as she went swiftly from him into the gathering night. As she fled up the long drive, she heard the thud of hoofs growing fainter on the road below. Mrs. Hill's large presence confronted the girl at the door of the kitchen. "'You are late,' she said with a rebuking glance at the clock. "'I began to wonder if I must prepare the dinner myself.' "'Oh, I am very sorry,' 
Milly apologised, quite breathless with haste and the shock of her late encounter. "'Where have you been?' demanded Mrs. Hill, darting a quick look into the luminous dusk without. Milly, somewhat accustomed by now to her mistress's sharp, incisive questions, answered without embarrassment. "'Did you see no one beside your grandparents?' The girl hesitated for the space of a frightened heartbeat or two. "'I saw Mr. Hill,' she murmured, her eyes intent upon the potato she had hurriedly begun to peel. "'You saw Mr. Hill? Where?' "'On the road, as I was coming home.' "'Do you mean he passed you? I haven't heard him come in.' The girl was conscious of the woman's probing eyes upon her face. "'I think he went by the other road,' she stammered. "'The moon, it's, it's very light and pleasant out of doors.' Her hands shook over their task. Mrs. Hill's mouth twisted in a wry smile. "'So I see,' she said dryly. She stood for a moment, watching the girl's nervous fingers with cold interest. "'You may serve dinner,' she ordered, "'as soon as possible. "'We will not wait for Mr. Hill.' Milly heard the retreating rustle of her gown with a sigh of relief, but when she ventured to lift her abashed eyes, she was startled to see the tall, stout figure standing motionless by the door, as if lost in deep thought. "'You're a very pretty girl,' Mrs. Hill observed harshly. "'Quite unusually so for a person of your class. But let me remind you that your position in my house depends entirely upon your discretion. You understand me, I am sure.' The leaping colour in Milly's face and the indignant flash of her blue eyes appeared to satisfy the woman. Checking with an imperious gesture the girl's half-uttered exclamation, she swept from the room. Left to herself, Milly Orne dropped her knife and started toward the door. "'I will not stay in this house,' she told herself with sudden passion. "'I'll go home.' There would be a joyful welcome awaiting her there, she knew. But how explain her unlooked-for change of mind and the leaky old roof? Only this afternoon she thought happily of the heavy rains sure to come in late autumn, and of the tight new shingles which would shelter the two ailing old people. Slowly she walked back to the table, slowly took up her knife, and went on peeling the potatoes. Afar off, echoing from some distant fold of the hills, came the rhythmic beat of a galloping horse. End of chapter 15